Let me pray, and then we're going to get started in. We're going to go back to what we were doing prior to Easter. We're going to go back into Ephesians. And uh, let me pray. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand. One of the ushers will bring you a Bible. Uh, But will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, that you are a God that gives us hope and gives us life. A God that reminds us that you didn't just create us and leave us, but you created us and you've given us uh, a purpose and meaning and you've given us your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we ask right now as we look at your word, would your Holy Spirit cause us to come alive? Would our ears hear and our hearts be tender towards you? We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So we've been going through this series. We called it We Are Family because the church is a family. And so over the course of uh, this study, we've been talking about what does it mean to be a church family, right? What does it mean to, to live with brothers and sisters, not just be a collection of individuals, but what does it mean to actually live as a family, uh, deal with the things that families deal with, um, wrestle through the things that families wrestle through. And today we come to a part of Ephesians. The first half of Ephesians really is a lot of theology. Paul just kind of lays it on the church. This is what uh, you need to believe. This is what is true. This is what uh, we are as Christians. And then he goes into the latter half of the book of Ephesians. and says, now that you know this, this is how you should live. And we come to a passage in Ephesians chapter 5 uh, that talks about wisdom. And so let me ask a question for each one of you. You guys could consider this. Uh, you might actually you know, tell the person sitting next to you. But if you were to go back in time, what would you do differently? Right, just take a couple seconds. What would you do differently? Right, like Maybe you uh, would try harder in school. Right, some of you guys in school, you're like, no, that, that's ridiculous. No, I w- would try less hard. Some of you guys, you know, you say, well, maybe I wouldn't hang around certain individuals. Right? What, what would you do differently? Maybe it's some of the purchases you've made. It's like, oh man, that RV, really. I should have listened to all those people telling me. Or I really shouldn't have bought that boat. Uh, maybe some of us, uh, the, the decisions we would have made differently are decisions that we didn't make. Right? Man, when uh, Amazon, the online bookseller, came out at 20 bucks a share, who would have thought they would have taken over the world? And, you know, it's like, ah, oh, that $20 is now $2,000. What are some of the decisions that you regret? And I think if we look at the decisions that we would make differently, maybe some of the reasons we, we regret those decisions is because we lacked wisdom at the time. We lacked wisdom to know uh, what to do, or we lacked wisdom because we we just didn't have enough um, insight into how the world works. When I was growing up, uh, my mom had this habit of writing me birthday cards. It's kind of funny. My mom would give me gifts, right, for birthday. Hopefully you guys get gifts. But she would write birthday cards. And the thing that uh, that's weird about my birthday cards is my mom would never write like, oh, Dean, you're the best son I could ever hope for. Dean, I'm so thankful for you every day. You know, Dean, you're a blessing from God. She doesn't write that kind of stuff. She would just write Bible verses, right? Like she wouldn't actually write anything except for Bible verses. And she would write verses like, how does a young man keep his way pure, right? By living according to your word. That's like, huh. Kind of odd. What are you saying to me, mom? Is there like a you know, subtle message? But by far, the most common verse my mom would write to me is uh, this verse from Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
And, and, and almost without fail, I'd say like 75% of all the cards my mom has ever written to me just contain this verse, right? And she doesn't say anything else or she just write mom afterwards. And, you know, I, I've always kind of wondered about this because either my mom has no problems with plagiarism or she was trying to tell me something uh, that she saw lacking in me or maybe just lacking in people in general. And, and I think what she was trying to get, and Proverbs really does get at this idea of wisdom, is, you know, the, the, the author of Proverbs says, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't forsake her. Wisdom is personified as this woman crying out in the streets. Don't forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. And I feel like all those cards that my mom wrote to me, she was trying to tell me, Dean, you know, as great as all these gifts are, here's the greatest gift, get wisdom. But here's a problem because especially today, how does a young person get wisdom, right? How, how, how does a, a young junior high or high school or even young adult, how do they get wisdom? Wisdom is different from knowledge, right? Like most kids, just, just actually this morning, but last week also, we were trying to make coffee and we got this new coffee machine and none of us know how to use it. And none of us actually knows how to convert, right? Like tablespoons into uh, cups and all that. Actually, do you guys know how many, how many tablespoons in a cup? Well, you guys are just, you can't just throw out numbers and say it confidently like it's the real thing. No, we didn't know. So I asked one of our youth and our youth was like, well, I know, ask Siri right? And so it's like, we don't really need to know. We just ask Siri and knowledge abounds. But here's the thing. Wisdom and knowledge are different, right? Wisdom is, is more than knowledge. Wisdom, it's knowing God. It's maturing in our relationship with him. It's walking with him closely and perceptively that we are able to develop a godly character, live thoughtfully and make proper choices in life. Wisdom is more than just knowledge. We love knowledge. Wisdom is actually knowledge and relationship to God. And Paul tells us in this letter to the church in Ephesus, he tells us at the beginning of this uh, chapter, in the middle of this chapter, look carefully then how you walk. And walk here is an idiom for how you live, how you live your life. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And seven times in the book of Ephesians, Paul tells us this is how you should walk. This is how you should be careful. Before you're a Christian, this is how you walked. You walked in this darkness. You walked uh, apart from Christ. And after you became a Christian, God creates all this stuff for us to walk in, the good works that God has created. You know, God has created something for you to do that is good. And our job is to walk in them. Now that you're called as a believer, God tells us, walk in a manner that is worthy of your calling. And he reminds us, don't be like those Gentiles. Don't be like those uh, non-believers. Their minds are futile. That means they're just spinning around in circles. And a week prior to Easter, Pastor Yuji reminded us, walk in love. Walk as children of light. And today, Paul tells us, we need to walk with wisdom. And as we look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20, we're going to gain some insight into how we can walk with wisdom. The first thing that we see here is he says, look carefully. This is a command. This is the imperative. This is what this passage is, is telling you. You must look. If you want to walk with wisdom, look 
carefully. Look carefully. And the idea here of looking carefully is it's examining your life. It's, it's taking a look at the things that you do, the words that you say, even the thoughts that you have. It's not just what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. And Paul's saying, I want you to examine it. I want you to consider. I want you to observe, contemplate, take care, take heed. Don't just go through life thinking wisdom will happen. Examine your life carefully. Paul tells his spiritual son, this is a, a passage we, many of us are familiar, keep a close watch on yourself. The words that he tells this beloved child of his as he's embarking on pastoral ministry, keep a close watch, examine your life. It's the same idea. Persist in this for by doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. I wonder how many of us pause and look at our lives and ask the question, am I living according to God's word? Am I living according to God's wisdom? Am I living according to God's priorities? Do my actions and my behaviors, do they align with what I believe is true in God's word? Is the way I spend my money is the way I spend my time are the words that come out of my mouth are the thoughts that I think are they revealing that I'm a child of light or perhaps they reveal there's still some darkness in me you know Socrates is attributed with saying the unexamined life is what no no Plato no uh, <laughs> no classic uh, classics major is a life not worth living Paul tells us the unexamined life is the unwise life and if we want to walk with wisdom we need to take a close look at our lives and examine how does my life line up with God's word how does my actions my motivations my thoughts you know Paul tells the church in Corinth He's like, sometimes we think, well, I, I can't help it. I just think these thoughts. The church in Corinth was saying, well, we can't help it. We, we just think these thoughts. We're so inundated in the culture. We just do the things that the culture tells us to do. And Paul says, no, no, no. As a believer, you take every thought and you take it as a captive, as a slave. You say, hey, that thought I'm thinking right now, that, that's not godly. That's not true. That's not holy. It's not pleasing. I'm going to take that thought. I'm going to put it aside. I'm not going to think that thought. We take every thought captive. So how are you living your life? And maybe throughout the course of this message, you just want to jot down something. Maybe God's speaking to you. There's an area of your life you're like, oh, this is an area that, um, yeah, I, I just really haven't examined closely. It's the area of my patience relating to my spouse, my patience relating with my kids. It's the area of purity when it comes to uh, sex or pornography. It's the area of forgiveness and bitterness. It's the area of hurts or jealousy. I, I, just, I, I just haven't given these up to God. If you want to walk with wisdom, the first thing Paul reminds us is that we need to examine our lives carefully. Well, Paul goes on and he gives us a, a second key to walking with wisdom and the second thing that he says is make the best use of the time 
making the best use of the time. So I'm reading from the ESV, and I think the Bibles you have is uh, from the ESV. Um, The NIV actually translates this as uh, make the best of every opportunity or to redeem your time. And, And the idea here is time is our most precious commodity. We all have the same 24 hours a day. We all have the same 60 minutes in an hour, right? And once that hour passes, we can't take it back. Every single person, doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are, we have the same amount of time. And Paul is reminding us, make the most of your time. Make the most of every opportunity. The idea here is uh, to to redeem it. Actually, literally, the, the scripture says, buy back. Take it out of the marketplace. There's a story. Uh, we uh, we had this white elephant gift years ago when Sumiko and I were first married. We were part of a small group. We had this white elephant gift. Unbeknownst to me, Sumiko, and so in this white, you guys know what a white elephant gift is? We basically give junk to other people, right? Like the Mary Kondo would be so proud of us. But you take something from your house and then you like gift it up or wrap it up and then you give it to someone else. And then they would open it. And so in the way we played our white elephant, we could steal those gifts back unbeknownst to me my wife the one that i love dearly she wrapped up something that i actually really liked and so she gifted it and uh you know someone took it and they opened it up and i was like what why why did we give this away and so when it was our turn to steal i took it back right like so like we can't it's a zero-sum game for us and so i got the same thing that we brought but the idea here is you have to take it out of the marketplace Literally, it's to redeem, to buy back all these opportunities. The word here for time, it's not like, you know, take back the 30 minutes, take back the one week, take back the... It means this opportunity. And it's a season. It's an opportune moment. And there's an opportunity. And the word, the Latin word for opportunity comes from these two, uh, two, two words, ob and portu. And the idea is when a ship is coming into port. It would actually, in the ancient times, uh, because they were based on you know currents and, and sea levels and, and the wind, they would have to wait for just the right time. right? They would have to wait outside the harbor for just the right time so that they could come into port. And so opportunity comes from this idea. It has to have the right mixture of wind and currents and wave and tides. And right at that right moment, they seize it, they go into the harbor, and they're safe. And the idea that Paul tells us is, we need to take every opportunity we have to redeem it, to buy it back, not to squander, but to take every opportunity that we have to share the gospel, to live out the gospel, to to allow our lives to be an aroma of life, as scripture tells us. Because when that opportunity passes, when that time passes, we don't know when and if it will come back again. Some of us, we have the opportunity to share the gospel with our classmates. And I know, I know it's scary. Right? It's, it's tough. People look at you weird and think you're a weird person if you share the gospel. And so for some of us who are serious about our faith, we think, well, you know, I'll do it, but maybe just not now. I'll do it, but, you know, when, I, when I'm a little older. And we don't know when those opportunities will go away. For some of us, we have opportunities to share love or share the gospel with family members, uh, with, with, with um, parents, 
or with sisters or brothers or cousins. The family members, it's hard, right? Like you, you, don't, want, you don't want people to look at you and they, they know all the bad things about you and you're like, oh, I don't really want to share. And the opportunity arises and they seem like they might be open and they're like, I'm too scared. We don't know when the opportunity will come back. Some of us, because of where we are in stage of life, you're running across people that you might never see again, right? As my children were younger, I, I had a set of um, preschool parents that we would do co-op with. We would, we would work together in the school. And, you know, like you spend a lot of time, you talk with them, but it's just a season in life. And there's always this part of me, it's like, oh, you know, I'm a pastor. I, I should at least tell them I'm a pastor, but it's like, oh, I'll tell them later. And you realize, oh, the time passed. Maybe for some of us, our kids are in soccer or in baseball or swimming. And, you know, as, as a parent of an athlete, it's just super boring, right? You just sit around and all you do is watch them. And you're like, you're supposed to cheer for them. But really you're thinking about, oh, what can I fix around the house? Not that I do that. I'm just telling you, all the other parents do that. And so um, there's these opportunities that we allow to, to slip through. And Paul reminds us, make the most of every opportunity. When the wind is right, when the tide is right, make the most of every opportunity. Sometimes we're scared. Sometimes we are uncertain, but we never know what the opportunity will rise again. And the truth of the matter is God has placed you here in California in 2019. He hasn't placed you, you know, in the 1500s or the 1700s or even in 2500. He's placed you here in this place at this season. And he has given each one of us an opportunity to be a light to the community around us. Will you take those opportunities wherever you live? Uh, there's a multi-billionaire. His name is Warren Buffett. I, I'm curious. How many of you guys have heard of the name Warren Buffett? I'm not sure if this will land. Okay. So some of you know who was. So he's this multi-billionaire considered probably one of the one of the most successful investor in the world. And every year, he actually auctions off a lunch with himself. It seems a little egotistical, but it's actually this great thing. He does it for charity. And people have spent half a million dollars, I think the last lunch auction, for two and a half hours, mind you. He provides the lunch, so I guess you are getting something in return. But for two and a half hours, this last auction went for $3.3 million. Kind of ridiculous, right? If you want to have lunch with me, it'll cost you a lot less. And so, you know, like, if you won, so people are spending their life savings, you know, because he's such a brilliant investor, but if you won this auction and, and you spent the entire time over lunch just arguing about who the best basketball player is, right? Or, or you're talking about the latest episode of American Idol and suddenly the two and a half hours is gone. It, it would be a wasted opportunity. But the people who win these lunches, they have a purpose. They have an intention for why they want to have lunch with Warren Buffett. They do their research. They, they study. They, they, they refine their questions so that when they ask the question, nothing is wasted. They know everything there is to know about Warren Buffett and how he invests so that they could get deeper insights. So part of making the most of every opportunity also means, are you preparing yourself for the opportunities that you know will present them? Sometimes we pray for family members to come to faith and, and when they say, you know, I am curious about the faith that you have. 
can you tell me more? We get tongue-tied all of a sudden. It's like, oh, I never thought this day would happen. Quick, call Pastor Dean. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to be watching my kids play sports. No, like you guys, you guys, have we prepared ourselves? Or, or perhaps for some of us, we, you know, we pray for our neighbors and we're like, how, how, can we, how can we be a light to our neighbors? But we don't take the time to get to know them, to invest into that relationship. The coworker that asks you, why do you always seem so kind? It's odd because everyone else here seems to be a jerk, but you're like the only nice person. Have we thought about what we would say? Paul reminds us, if you want to walk in wisdom, examine your life, but make the most of every opportunity and prepare yourself for those opportunities. And here's the reason why. He says, guys, don't let it slip. Here's the reason why. Because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And what Paul means by this is that as good as this world seems, as great as America seems and democracy seems and technology and science and it's doing all sorts of incredible things, the world that we live in, according to Scripture, is opposed to God and opposed to God's plan. Scripture tells us that we are living in a world that is not just physical, right? Later on in a couple of weeks, we're gonna, Paul's going to remind us our, our battle's not just against the, the, the material world. It's not just against flesh and blood. There is a spiritual reality. If you believe in God, you already believe in a spiritual reality. But there's a spiritual reality, and Satan is the ruler of this age. Satan is opposed to the things of God. Satan does not want people to come to faith. Satan does not want you to grow closer with God. And Satan clouds the minds and the eyes of this world so they do not see that God loves them. And sometimes we wonder, why, do you, why is it so hard to share the gospel? Well, maybe you're a lousy evangelist, but the Bible tells us there's more. It's because Satan is clouding the eyes and the minds. And, and it's not just saying the world, the world is evil, is what the Bible tells us. Maybe you want to share the gospel with a, a coworker or a friend, or you want to bring someone to church. It's the busyness, right? The materialism, the pursuit of pleasure. All these things are pushing God out of his rightful place. Or maybe you want to tell people that you believe in an absolute truth. What does the world by and large say? Well, no, you're, you're just crazy. Who believes in an absolute truth? Maybe you want to tell the world, well, I, I believe that lies really do matter. Even the unborn. People say, that's, that's crazy. Who, who actually believes this stuff? And scripture tells us this world is evil. The days that we live in are evil. And the reality is until Christ return, we will live in a world that is opposed to God and opposed to his values. It's a world that is broken where sin flourishes. So friends, make the most of every opportunity because you don't know when you're going to have another chance. Some of you guys who are older, you might have watched the movie Schindler's List. Uh, it's a movie about the Holocaust, about Oskar Schindler, who's a uh, German man, I believe. But he rescued over a thousand Jews. Right? He, he basically uh, tricked the government to saying that, yes, I need these Jews to, to work in my factory. Over a thousand uh, Jews were saved. And there's this overwhelmingly uh, moving 
scene right at the very end where the Jews that he saved presented Oscar Schindler with this ring. And, and he's taking this ring and he just breaks down. And he says, I could have saved more. I could have sold this car. This car would have, would have bought me 10 more Jews. Like I, I didn't need this SS uh, lapel button. That's another two lives. I could have done so much more. I threw away so much money, but I could have saved a few more. That's how we should live as Christians. We should live because we know, we know that the days are evil. We don't know when these opportunities will present themselves again. So take every opportunity you have to redeem the time for the gospel. We know how the story ends. We know that Christ is victorious. We know that Christ returns. We know that there's hope. But we know until that day comes, the days are evil. Well, Paul goes on and he says, well, you know, don't, don't uh, live foolishly, but understand the will, what the will of the Lord is. He continues and he phrases it in this other way. He says, whatever situation you are in, right? Whatever uh, dilemma you have, and maybe for some of us, we're thinking, oh, is this an opportunity or is this not an opportunity? Is this a chance for me to share the gospel or maybe I should just wait? Or should I invest my time into this relationship or should I invest it into something else? And Paul phrases it, whatever situation you are in, whether it's a difficult school situation or family situation or work situation, there is an opportunity to redeem it for God. So find out what God wants you to do in that situation. There is a, uh, a, a, an opportunity you have right now and our job is to find out what is it that God wants us to do? How can God use this situation? And we know the will of God because God has written to us in his word. We know the will of God. The, the, the general will of God is in the Bible. If you want to know the will of God, read the Bible. Spend time in God's blueprint for us. He wants us to, to love our families. He wants us to make disciples. He wants us to love our neighbors, to love him. It's in this book. We also know the will of God when we spend time praying and we talk with God. God, God speaks to us through his word. Right? And as we listen, we know what God wants us to do. And finally, we know the will of God when we share our lives in this community. And, and this is really written to a, a church, right? This is written to a community of believers. And God has given us one another here to give insight, to flesh out what scripture might mean in our lives, in our situations. So if you're in a situation and it's difficult and you're thinking, God, how can I redeem this? Spend time in God's word. Spend time praying and spend time with one another, just sharing with each other. This is my dilemma. Can you shed some wisdom? Can you, can you give me some biblical insight? But most importantly, God has given us his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not our conscience. We're, we have a conscience. We, we know what we think is right or wrong. The Holy Spirit really is God. It's God living inside of each one of us. And God will speak to each one of us and God will tell each one of us, this is what I want you to do. God will remind us of verses that we need to know. God will comfort us when we need to be comforted. He does this all through his Holy Spirit. And Paul's next verse, it seems a little out of place. Uh, but it actually ties perfectly in. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled 
with the spirit. Debauchery, for those of you who don't know, uh, it just means uh, excessive indulgence right, in, in sensual pleasures. And some of us, we take a look at this verse and we kind of take it out of context and say, see, the Bible doesn't want us to drink. Well, first of all, it doesn't say that. It says just don't get drunk. But secondly, the point of this verse is about being filled with the Spirit. And so the reason Paul throws this in is Paul knows something that science has proven to be true. He knows that alcohol, it's not a stimulant. It's a depressant. And what it does is it depresses the central nervous system so much that it it involves uh, impairing... Uh, impairing different senses, right? Our slurred speech, unsteady movement, uh, perception, inability to react quickly. Mentally, alcohol reduces an individual's ability to think rationally, lessens inhibitions, and distorts judgment. And Paul is reminding us as we make these decisions, because the time is short, right? The opportunities, they're, they're fleeting. Let's be alert, Let's not allow our minds to be impaired by drunkenness. Let's not allow our our reactions to be impaired by the pursuit of pleasure. Rather, let's be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to take control of our lives, to lead us and guide us, so that we could be alert in every situation, so that when there is a situation, when there is an opportunity, we could say, this is what God wants me to do, not because I'm pursuing pleasure, not because I'm impaired in any kind of way, but because the Holy Spirit has got a hold of my life. And this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is kind of interesting because a lot of people have written a lot of different things about that. If we want to walk with wisdom. We need to be filled with the Spirit. So let me give you an illustration of, of what this looks like. You have a boat, a sailboat that's just sitting in, in, in water. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is when a gust of wind takes that sail and fills it up, right? And you see that the sail just, just billows out and the boat is now powered. It's moving under the power and the guidance of the wind. And that, that is one illustration of what it means for us to be filled with the Spirit. It doesn't mean that we have more of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that we are able to, to speak in ways that other people can't speak. It means that we are guided and led by how the Spirit leads. Right? It means that the Holy Spirit has taken control of every part of our life. Another illustration of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. The idea of, of if you take a cup and it's, it's empty. Well, it's not really empty because it's filled with air. But you pour water into it. The air is slowly displaced and water replaces that. And that's the idea of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Where we used to once have control of our own lives. Where we say, you know, Dean, this is what I want to do. Dean, this is what you know, I, I like to do. The Holy Spirit comes in and takes control of our lives. And the Holy Spirit says, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to act. It doesn't mean we have more of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it just means the contrary. The Holy Spirit has more of us. And this is how we know that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is how we know that we're actually being led by the Spirit. He gives us three characteristics, three participles here. He says, when you're walking with wisdom and you're filled with the Spirit, this is what's going to happen. You're going to address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You're going to sing and you're going to make melody to the Lord with, with all your heart. And you're going to give thanks always for everything to God the Father and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people say, you know, the Bible tells me that I need to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, Paul tells us. 
Are you addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs? Are you singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart? Are you giving thanks? And so we're going to uh, take a look at this real quick. Uh, Fill the Spirit. The first one, addressing one another with psalms, uh, hymns, spiritual songs. It's really a reference to this gathering of body of believers. When we gather together, there's this fellowship that occurs. And what that means is we're encouraging one another with God's word. Right? Because anybody could get together and anybody could just talk about, you know, the warriors and how, you know, they, they almost lost and it would have been so embarrassing. Anybody could do that. But Christians, when you get together, are you encouraging one another? Are you, are you reminding each other, this is what God says about you. This is what God says about me. Are you telling one another, this is the truth of who you are and this is how God wants you to act? And I think that's an area that we oftentimes neglect. We're like, well, I don't want to, you know, push my agenda onto somebody else. I don't want them to come to their own conclusion. But that's part of what the family does. The family speaks psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to another. When we gather together and we, when we sing, you know, part of what we're doing uh, is we're actually singing for one another. I don't know if you noticed that. But when we sing, it's actually to remind each other this is the God we worship. Right When we say, come, let us worship and bow down, we're not telling God to worship and bow down. We're telling each other, come, all of us, let's worship and bow down. Let's remember that God is our creator, that God is our Lord. When we gather together, we encourage one another with God's word. The second thing, the second characteristic of being filled with the Spirit is we worship with heartfelt adoration towards God. Right? We worship with heartfelt adoration towards God. And what this means is when we come, there's just this sense of, of praise to God, our creator. And, and, and throughout scripture, scripture actually tells us, he, scripture commands us that we are called to sing. It's not a, a preference thing. It's not an embarrassment or pride thing. It's a Holy Spirit thing. And some of us here, we, uh, we say, well, I don't really like to sing. I don't have a good voice. Well, I don't really like to sing. It's, it's not my, my thing. But there's something that God knows about human nature because God created human nature. We sing when we're moved, right? You go to a concert and you listen to your favorite musician, you sing along. Or, or maybe it's a beloved musical, you sing along. When you're moved or something you love, you, you sing, there's just this part. It's like a Disney movie, right? That's why Disney's so popular. It gets it right on. You know, when you're moved to love, one day my prince will come, right? Like you just burst out singing and God knows where our hearts are. That's what we'll sing for. One characteristic of being filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, is that we sing with heartfelt adoration towards God. You know, the truth is, I think a lot of us, maybe it's because we're Asian, we're very timid when it comes to singing. And we, we have this time of worship, and we're like, oh, well, you know, the musicians up front, they're singing, that's good. But he, here's, here's something I need all of us to know. This isn't a performance. Right? We don't have musicians come up here and we could just listen. This is a praise to God. And God wants all of us to sing with heartfelt adoration towards him, to know him, to, to love him, to acknowledge that he is truly a victorious God, a loving God, a living God. And finally, the third characteristic that we see, at least in this passage, when we're being filled with the Spirit or when we're being led by the Spirit, oh, there we go, is there's a natural outpouring of thankfulness. 
a person recognizes all that God has done. You know, the, the, the message of Easter is that we are not worthy to be saved, and yet God saves us. God does this thing that I'm not able to do for myself, and God says, you know what? I forgive you, and I love you, and I welcome you into my family. And I put God, look at all the junk I have in my life. And God says, welcome home. You're my beloved child. And when we understand this gospel, when we understand the grace that we've experienced, how can we not be thankful? How can we not praise God? How can we not say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for me? And I wonder, and this is just kind of a gut check, I suppose, for for all of us, myself included, how many of us have become inured to God's wonder We're jaded to God's grace. And if that's you, that's me. Just remind yourself of the gospel. God did for you what you could not do for yourself. God took a sinner and God took your sins and he swapped it with his son. He took our rags and he gave us his riches. If you find yourself whole humming through our corporate time of singing, remind yourself what a loving God we have. And if you find yourself dreading coming together with other believers, remind yourself once that you are not a people. You do not have a family. You do not have a Heavenly Father, but now you do. You have spiritual brothers and spiritual sisters and aunts and uncles. So some things to consider this week. In light of the scripture, examine your life. What area of your life does not line up with what God's word says. Maybe it's your speech. Maybe it's your thought. Maybe it's some actions that you take. If you want to take it a step further, this is really challenging. And if you do, I'll be so proud of you. Ask someone close to you, what area of my life do you see that doesn't seem to line up with God's word? And just just allow them to speak that truth into you. It may not be right. But just allow them to speak that into you and pray and say, Holy Spirit, is this an area that I need to align myself with you more? What opportunities do you have that you may be wasting? Some of us, you know, as youth, you think, well, we will always have more time. There will always be another year. And we forget. Time is slipping away. Opportunities are slipping away. God has given us a charge to make disciples, to share the gospel wherever we go. And when that opportunity arises, are you ready? Have you prepared yourself? Do you know what you're going to say? Have you even thought about what is, you know, how, how would I even share the gospel? How would I, you know, spend time? My, my schedule is so busy. How would I invest into this neighbor? What opportunities do you have that you might be wasting? Just, just uh, yesterday we had this, this stranger come to my door. And we don't have a doorbell because we overlooked that when we were remodeling. So people just knock, right? So, and we don't always hear them. And I think my dog is a little deaf, so she doesn't always hear. But this person was knocking. And I opened the door, and she asked to borrow something from us. And I looked at her. I was like, well, you know, who are you? And she's like, I'm your neighbor. She's like, oh, really? How long have you lived here? She's like, oh, I've been here like over a decade. She's like, oh. You know, and, and we realize our lives are so busy. We schedule so many things. We, we, we go home, we close that garage door. We don't know uh, the opportunities that are, are slipping right, right, literally right next door. What opportunities do you have that you might be wasting away? And finally, 
Are you obeying and following the Holy Spirit? Are you being filled with the Spirit? And, and you know, right? God's given us, or Paul's given us these characteristics. Are you thankful? Are you grateful? Is there, is there a part of your life where you're like, you know, Holy Spirit, you could have 80% of my life, but 20, this 20, I'm going to do for myself. Right? I'm going to take care of this. Are you allowing God to take all of your life? And when God says something through his word, like, okay, this is going to be hard. I know it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be hard confessing this sin to someone else. It's going to be hard to change this habit. But I'm going to do it, and I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will help me do this. If you want to walk with wisdom, we need to examine our lives. We need to look carefully and see how it lines up with God's Word. If you want to walk with wisdom, we need to make the most of every opportunity according to God's will. If you want to walk with wisdom, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that you are a God as Father of all wisdom. And if anyone lacks wisdom, you promise. You say, just ask. And you give freely. Father, we lack wisdom. I lack wisdom. Would you give me and us as a church wisdom to know that the days are evil, to make the most of every opportunity, to live in light of eternity, Lord. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.